podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Ladbrokes. Welcome to the Whistleblowers. My name's Stuart Wright and today I've got with me Andy Merriman of the uh, Spurs fame. Hello. And shouting out for City, I've got Chris Howard. All right, Chris. Hello, Stuart. Now, before we get into the conversation about what's going to happen before the end of August and what's going to happen this weekend, I just need to tell you some few things about what the Whistleblowers is up to. The Whistleblowers is backed for the season by Labbrooks. Bet £5, get £20. If you deposit £5, Labbrooks will add another 20 to your account. You can get this offer by following the link at bet.thewhistleblowers.net. Right then, guys. Uh, just before we get into, uh, into general football news... Andy wanted to give us have a quick look at a different part of football uh, and post the success of the uh, of the Special Olympic Olympics National Games at Sheffield earlier this month. Um, you wanted to shine a light on what football clubs are doing with um, disabled football players yeah, well, and, I, and, I just, and teams. I just thought at the moment, you know, footballers are, are getting a lot of criticism for being greedy and the player power and coaches the same being accused of bullying and, and quite rightly in some respects. But I just wanted to point out the other side um, that a lot of football coaches give up a lot of their time and volunteers for the Special Olympics. My son was a volunteer in Sheffield this, this, this last week and there was mm. a football competition there. And, you know, there's about 40 teams now, 40 clubs with Down syndrome teams. Right. Um, and I declare an interest here because I've got a daughter with, with Down syndrome. Um, and, you know, without getting too Pollyanna-ish about it, yeah. I bet no one's mentioned Pollyanna on whistleblowers before, um, you know, there is a huge amount of good work that gets done. And I've, I spoke to a coach at QPR who've, who've had a team for quite a long time, a Down syndrome team, who was in charge of one of the youth So this teams. is the Football League. This isn't just teams. The Football League is a... a, a football club, yes. Yeah, yeah, the football yes, I've, I've got their own teams. Okay. Um, and this QPR uh, coach was saying that he was in charge of a sort of under-12, under-10 side at QPR, and they said, we want you to take over the Down Syndrome team. Right. And his first thought was, oh, no, what am I going to do? This is going to be a nightmare. And he said he's never had so much enthusiasm and so much pride in what uh, what these lads and, and women, uh, girls and boys, do for football. I was watching a bit of a Charlton game the other day. Charlton have got a very good team, Charlton Upbeats, yeah. playing against a team from Brighton. And it was, it was before a big game, and they had commentators, they did a commentary, they had all the players had their names on their number, and you know the the amount of of, of pride that it gives these these uh, people with learning disabilities just is it's so exciting, really. Um, you know, they're excluded from many different things, but here they are, kind of being able to, to emulate their heroes. Um, and there's a lot of coaches, a lot of volunteers that devote a lot of time, and it's growing and growing, and it's it's very exciting. And you can tell from the the teams that have been going for a few years, they've yeah. got much more idea, and they can pass it, and they know their positions, and um, it's it's very it's very emotional to watch, and it's just a, a great thing that a lot of these people do. And and some of the, some of the sort of pros we see running around are, are volunteering the time as well. Yes, you know, I'm, I um, went to a. Um, a competition at West Ham. West Ham used to have a one for which in aid of Down Syndrome Association, where I met Kevin Kilban, who's got a daughter with Down Syndrome, who's, who's a patron of the Down Syndrome Association, does lots of work for them. Okay. But you see, the Seamus Coleman, 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 Coleman at Everton uh, went and coached the Down Syndrome lads for a while. Um, and James McLean, who's obviously not the most popular of players, <laughs> a team in Derry, a Down Syndrome team in Derry, couldn't, didn't have anyone to play. So he got a team together and went down and played. 
played with them. Oh, um, and it's it's so heartening, and it's you know um, a lot of good things are being done that people don't know about. In, uh, yeah, I guess I mean the football clubs as as part of the community, they they, they do do a lot a lot of good work on inclusivity across the board, don't they? Yeah, I mean Cardiff City, I think win a win community awards yes. virtually every year. They've got a phenomenal you know community program, and you know then they're, they're not a club that's overly rich. They don't have a they they don't have you know lots of money. They don't spend lots of money on transfers, but their community program is second to none. And I think they win a lot of football awards yes. for it. And in yeah. fact, one of the goal of the month, one of the goal of the months last year was a, a boy with Down syndrome that scored a goal for, Cardiff, for, for the yeah, Down syndrome yeah. team, and the fans voted it goal of the month over all the other professional fantastic. goals. So that, you know that's just fantastic. Well, I can feel kind of guilty now segueing into. Uh into the the, the the garish world of the transfer market. We've now got, what, as we sit here now, just, just under a week or a week or so till the transfer window closes. Um, are we expecting a rush from Spurs by the end of August? So you don't seem to... You seem to be letting people... City have took one off, yeah? Yes, that was unfortunate. But I think he fell out with Poch and there was no way going back. I don't think, I don't think anyone else will go, this mm. transfer window. I don't think Rose will go. Um, or anyone else I think there'll be a few players that'll come in I think it looks like they've signed Everton Sanchez from Ajax who looks a very good player I mean I've seen, you, know, you see clips on Twitter and they're not going to show his worst bits mm. but he looks powerful quick he's a central defender I wouldn't be surprised if they don't get Barkley I think that might happen oh, that's interesting I think that might happen there's a, a guy called Diop an attacking midfield player they've been linked with another centre-half from Estudiantes. I think they'll bring in two or three players. And Levy's, you know, infamous for doing it at the last minute and getting a deal. So, uh, yeah, I, when everyone was saying, oh, Tottenham haven't signed, and the only one, why aren't they doing it? You knew that they would, they would bring yeah. players in. And I don't think we need a huge amount, actually. Yeah. You know, it's not like we need half a dozen players. Now, talking of, of player power, it was a lovely, a lovely, while we were on our way here, news was breaking, thanks to the Independent, that uh, after um, Philip Coutinho's, uh, request to uh, have a transfer and Bas- I don't know how much you saw of Barcelona's third bid that they made at the weekend where they they were saying if he wins the Ballon d'Or if we win the Champions League then you can have some more money and you're kind of thinking that's not how you buy a player is it <laughs> you don't buy a car and go if it gets me to Torquay then I'll pay you the rest no. you know you kind of you kind of buy it or you don't so it was odd and and it's it's even odder when you think that, that Liverpool signed a con- five-year contract with him with no break clause if he was that unsettled. Mm. So it's transpired, I think, through the news reports t- today, well, just before we're recording this, that other parties working on his behalf encouraged him, I think, in inverted commas, to put the request in, which I think was a surprise to <laughs> Liverpool. And now we're getting the player power of the can-we-be-friends-again clop. How, how, how do, how, as fans, how do you feel about players that kind of turn 180 and come back to you after they... Well, I was very amused by the Barcelona offer. It was almost like, can we have him on sale or return, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, it, I mean, it's ridiculous for a club of that stature to sort of apparently and allegedly make a bid of that type. Um, lots of contracts, I believe, you know, have thresholds for appearances for the national team and if you win a trophy. But Barcelona are always in the market to win a trophy and, and one player shouldn't, shouldn't swing it and his and his transfer fee shouldn't be conditioned on it so it was slightly ridiculous Coutinho he would be well advised to stay at Liverpool he's played great football there he's he's really developed his game he he works within Liverpool's style um every time Man City play him I curse the fact that he's not injured um he he always has a great game against City 
he needs to sort of at least do another year or so at Liverpool and, and, and start to become the player that everybody believes he can. And if he's been badly advised, it's a shame. Liverpool's a great club. He should stay at Liverpool. You know, it's got a history. He, 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 he looks good in a Liverpool shirt. He should stay there. I mean, he's still never scored 20 goals in a season, so the idea he's going to be some sort of Neymar replacement is He's a lot of assists and he, and he makes Liverpool tick. And he, The way he moves the ball around and his, his sort of coverage of the pitch and his kilometres, I guess, that he covers. Mm. He, he's, a, he's an exceptional player. He is a great player, player but it's impossible to put to prices on the players now, isn't it? Mm. I mean, what does it mean? Um, 130 million, you know, that's not enough. I mean, I think he'll stay this season. I mm. think maybe he'll go. A bit like Modric did. You, you well, Modric, Bale, played. Suarez. Yeah, I mean, Modric stayed for one year. They resisted for a bit. Then you knew at what some stage he was going to go. The same with Bale. Well, I, I, I just, you know, really wonder what somebody like Sean Gota would be worth in this market. <laughs> I mean, you know, well, as long as you feed him, he'll be fine. Um, <laughs> so it's, uh, at the other end of the sort of uh, transfer scale, you've got... Um, You've got Burnley spending their Andre Gray money on Chris Woods. 27 goals. He's only 25. But we've seen it before, haven't we? It was a Leeds player, Jermaine... Um, what's he called? Um, Jermaine Beckford. Went to Everton and it just didn't happen, did he not? He scored that I mean, wonder goal against United. Yeah, but he... he's got a good... I mean, he scored, I think, 44 and 88 games. I did my research, you see. Good man. Um, um, so he's got a good scoring record, but again, coming up to the Premier League is a very different thing. Um, yeah, because I was I, struggling for. I, I mean, I couldn't think of names of people who've made that step up. Certainly, on a goals play, defenders make the step up. I think, but not forwards is a is a whole other world, isn't it? Yeah, um, but I suppose it's not Jamie Vardy is a good example of somebody who came from lower league football and has you know got a good scoring record and had a very good successful career in but it. he was bedded in with Leicester wasn't he when he when he finally when it finally came I suppose he didn't get moved to yeah Leicester. he was playing at Fleetwood though and he, yeah. he'd been around and he, many... and he made the transition yeah but yeah. it took him a bit of time maybe but he, he was at Leicester for a bit wasn't yeah, he yeah he, he was there a bit but it, it just so that if you can develop a player and you see the potential that it can happen and, and maybe you know Woods won't play every week but you know Sean Dyche is a good manager and he said look his job when he gave his interview yesterday is to develop him into a very good Premier League player Sean Dyche looks like he's a is a you know very good manager and he can maybe do that. Yeah. Good, good luck to them. He's done well really with the resources he's got, hasn't he? Well, we'll take a break there. Give the teenagers the chance to try and think who Sean Gocher is. <laughs> the Whistleblowers is back for the season by Labrooks. Welcome back. Um, just to continue the conversation there about the uh, transfer window, what, what in the world are Arsenal playing at? It, it seems they've got everybody's about to go for free. Uh, Sanchez definitely doesn't want to stay, does he? Well, it's not. I don't think he's the kind of player they need. What do you think they're waiting for? Is it just is it just sort of hard nosed principles, or is it is there tactics behind? I think it must be more frustrating to be an Arsenal fan than it is to be a Tottenham fan in the last few years, because with a couple of players, they could really say win. that like you mean it. Though, <laughs> They could be winning things, but he's just so stubborn, isn't he? And I kind mm. of, uh, is he going to lose Oxlade Chamberlain? And Sanchez will, will probably stay, I guess, in this window. Mm. And then he'll go for free, which seems bonkers to me. Um, he'll probably, play, you know, I think he's the sort of player that will try, unlike Ozil. He's a World um, Cup year, which is, of course is on everybody's favour, isn't it? Whoever gets to keep. So, so come March or April, everyone's going to be <laughs> playing at less than 100% to protect themselves. But. Um, 
But this happens every year with Arsenal, doesn't it? I mean, every year they, they do the same thing. Um, Why do Arsenal let players run their contracts down? There's a there's a history of it. Mm. And, it and it seems remarkable that a club that, you know, ostensibly seems so well run gets itself into a position where, where some of its players are on the verge of moving for free. I mean, you've got four or five, haven't you, this, that are going to come at the end of this yeah, year? Yeah, Walcott's the same, isn't yeah. he? Um, it's a mystery, isn't it? I mean, there was a terrible rumour some years ago that Finger was on a percentage of the prof- of club profits, um, which I think was, of course, was complete nonsense. But um, you can't quite understand how, how much... He's got so much power, hasn't he, Finger? That's the mm. thing. He is Arsenal. But compare Arsenal and the way they're run with the business savvy of Daniel Levy, and it's incomparable. Yeah. Which might explain mm. why Tottenham finished second last year and, and Arsenal were outside the top four for the first time. Maybe that... He's a, he's oh, happy up. day. My youngest son is 21. Finally, finally saw that day. <laughs> now, you, kind of, you kind of feel that if Daniel Levy maybe would have you know, invested in that squad, maybe you know, with one marquee player, you know, the four or five points that you need to win a Premier League it could have just quite I think been the difference. The other worry is, of course, playing, not paying people like Alderweireld what he wants. Yeah, the um, noises from Danny Rose was, was and, enough, and wasn't Danny it? It's kind of like, Cal Walker's on three times what I'm on. I want three times. <laughs> yes, I mean, I think that that could be a problem. But he stabilises um, the club, doesn't he? Yeah. Not just the I mean, fullback. it was a very similar interview that he gave Five Live in May. It wasn't mm. that different, really. Yeah. Um, and, I th- you know, there's talk about him going to training ground all the Spurs players applauding him was a little rubbish. It mm. didn't happen. Um, there, there is a rumour, though, that Daniel Levy knows the name of every pound note and coin in, in, in Tottenham and, you know, he can he can identify each one of them. I mean, he really does look after the pounds, doesn't he? He's one Donald. of our own. He's he's very, very smart guy. Now, the strangest piece of gossip and hyperbole I heard this week, and it, and it seemed to be accepted now, that, that Rooney's going to be playing for England. He's going to be in the next squad. Is this... Are we ever going to move forward? Do we do, do England... Stand a chance of moving well, forward. Do you if that's what play we... the players in form and the ones that are available. You think are going to win it, or do you plan for the future? That's always a, a long-held argument, isn't it? I mean, we the way, the way he we played don't... last night, I thought, why not? Really, um, you know, I, I don't know. Um, but then that's Everton playing to him, isn't it? I don't think England end up doing that, do they? I suppose you'd put him in the squad, wouldn't you? What are you thinking, Chris? I, I, not I, happy. The idea of Rooney playing again for England, we, we can do better than that. It, it's, you know, I do think that would be a retrograde step. But on the, on the, on the flip side, he did get his but, 200th goal, which is sort of a, a, rare, a rare club to join in. Well, on, on Sky, they, 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 went, they had a vote to see which was his best goal. I thought it was for a terrible minute. I thought they were going to show all 200 of them. <laughs> you'd have to decide. The worst thing for me was watching Sky yesterday. He seemed to score all of them against City. I, mean, I think 50, 100, 150 and 200 are all against City. Yeah. We've been slightly jinxed, you know, by, by Wayne Rooney over the years. But does anybody really... I mean, I don't know many fans that are actually that bothered about England. No, no, no. They, I don't, I they don't say, say they see the international week as a kind of oh well, God, we're missing. Th- this Premier doesn't League. sound very patriotic, but I'd rather Man City won a throw in than England won the World Cup. <laughs> to be honest, and I, and I sincerely mean but, but, I'm completely and also they ambivalent. Have to know how to take the throw-ins, though. That's the other thing well, from last night. Well, Sane can't take a throw-in. I mean, how can you be on the money he's on and not throw the ball back onto the pitch? <laughs> on another old stage, but in the management front, Neil Warnock is top of the championship. How's how? 
I, I didn't even know he was, you know, it's almost like you kind of forget that he's even managed. This is his stuff. 17th job, apparently, yeah. in 35 years. He, he's a legend, isn't he? I mean, <laughs> um, it's a terrible loss to Coropody, though. There's, a, there's one, one of the great things in football that I've read is, yeah, that's true, was, <laughs> was Stan Ternan's autobiography. And there was, a, there was a chapter about Neil Warnock, and it was a blank page. And it said omitted for legal reasons. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, because I mean, actually, <laughs> careful what we say here, guys. Yeah. But Stan Turner didn't feel that he could put pen to paper without libeling case. him. So, <laughs> um, I mean, Neil Warnock is a real, he's a he's a real football character. You you know, you're, you, I'm happy to see him in football and, and yeah. doing well at Cardiff. You yeah. know, fair play to him. He's always good value. Yeah, he's always good for a quote. See how long it lasts. Now, looking forward to the bank holiday weekend as we are. Rain will will obviously follow the bank holiday. Oh, it's my birthday. It always rains oh, on, on on bank holiday, you know, Saturday. So, so is it is it a, a a walk in the park flat track bully win against Bournemouth this weekend for you? You, you have to appreciate that as a city fan, there's, there's an ethos about our club that you know what can go wrong will go wrong. I mean, it's it's kind of cityitis. Do you carry? I mean, do you carry the attitude now that you expect to win? Is that is Not that comfortable all. for City fans? Not at all. I mean, this idea that City have become an arrogant club and expect to win. You know, I don't mean arrogance. I just I just mean the fact no, that no, we you, don't. We don't expect big, to win. You're, you're a big no, club with big we, finances and big players. We don't expect to go to Bournemouth and it to be anything other than an unmitigated disaster. <laughs> really? Yeah. That most really city sp- fans, most city fans, will travel to Bournemouth with a sense of apprehension. That really surprises but aren't most me. fans like that, though. Don't, don't most fans think, "Oh, it's all going to go horribly wrong"? But I just, I just think it's there's a Andy Connolly city fan comes on whistleblowers. It's like it is the 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 big the big club you've become because of the finances, the players you've got is is not something that sit, it's nice to go and play in the big tournaments, but it doesn't sit well, does it, with a with a with a with a club like City sometimes. Yeah. I just think we've had so many disasters, you know, being relegated by one of the best own goals ever scored, you know, by Jamie Pollock. <laughs> um, and look look that up on YouTube. I mean, it's it's a Brazilian-style <laughs> chipped over four of his own players, their player and our own goalkeeper, and it goes in the back of the net. Mm. Against, you know, Liverpool, Stuart, you're a Liverpool mm. fan, where City, you know, from the play bench the said, down. play the clock down, <laughs> we're staying up. <laughs> and, and actually, I think... You know, Ipswich or somebody had scored and we were relegated. Fans are telling the players to and go and score. And the fans are saying go and score. <laughs> you know, when you've had a history like that and you've been, you know, relegated by David Pleat running on the pitch in that horrible, ridiculous brown suit, um, everything that could go wrong will go wrong. And Bournemouth is just a banana skin for us. So you, you're going to be facing Chris Woods. Yes, they sign him just in time. Yeah, yeah. So, I, so I, you think you'll give I'm him a not, baptism of fire? I think well, he'll be fine. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think our centre halves will take care of him. <laughs> Famous last words. But I remember once being exposed years and years ago, standing on the shelf, and something terrible happened. The opposition scored. We scored an own goal. And the bloke by me said, "I love it when things go wrong." And you think there is a bit about about the suffering that football fans sometimes kind of wallow in. But I, but I guess I guess that question the. the the point I was making about City there, I mean, for Tottenham now, you're, what, is this second season on the run, top four? Yeah. You had a real run for the title last season in, in, in an incredible way. You were the last well, one standing. I, I, well, I think, I mean, last season was, was very different for us Spurs fans. Going to yeah. Alain, you expected to win. You yeah. didn't expect to lose. And we won 17 and drew mm. two. And, and for once, the first time I can remember for years and years, you went to every game thinking, we can win this. Mm. 
And whether this will be the same at Wembley, I'm not so yeah, sure. Yeah, se- 17 wins and two draws is not a bad record, is it? fantastic, yes. Um, and my wife even insisted on buying our, our White Hart Lane seats for 50 quid each, for, which goes to charity. And my boys were saying, what do you want to do that for? So we've got, we've got three plastic bits, bits of plastic that we put on our sofa and watch the away games on now, pretend we're at White Hart Lane. It's a nice touch. A man of my age. <laughs> we never grow up. No, we don't. And, 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 and City, part of our sort of attraction to each other, not a lot of other fans maybe see it as our, our sense of humour. So a mate of mine had a box and Stuart Pearce was the manager. We'd, I think we scored nine goals at home all season. And at the end of the season, the guy who was running, running the corporate hospitality said to him, Dave, how's the box been? How's the experience been? And he said, it's, he said, it's fine. He said, there's only one problem with the box. And the guy, Mark, said, well, what's that? He said, it, it faces the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> now, one more, one more game to think about. What, what, does, uh, what do Arsenal do about Sadio Mane? Of, of all of like, Liverpool's sort of misfiring to get going, they bring, he's been an absolute yeah, star. They bring Jack Wilshire back, who starts a mass brawl. Because you know that's what happened yesterday. Yeah, yeah on the 23s. Yeah, on the 23s, he got, he got bars off the ball and went bonkers and, and there was a mass brawl. So I think that could Doesn't be... Doesn't count, though, in the Premier League, apparently. No, so he could come back and play, yeah. you see? Yeah. Um, that could be Arsenal's only way of stopping Mane, I think. Or Xhaka will foul him as much as he can, which is what he normally does. Um, Granit Xhaka, but I, th- I think Mane's a wonderful player. Mm. He's the sort of player you could, every team could do with him. Real pace. Yeah, real pace and skillful and... Good finisher, yeah. I think uh, he's like he's like Raheem Sterling with the end product. I I think he's he's a proper player. Well, we spent your money wisely then, didn't we? You did indeed. <laughs> well, look, that's been the whistleblowers. This is a little bonus part to the uh, whistleblowers podcast. As you heard in the conversation with Dandy Merriman and Chris Howard, the um, the sands were shifting on the uh, inevitable transfer of Philip Coutinho to Barcelona. Um, from a transfer request put in to numerous bids from Barcelona to a now, can we clear the air talks, has come from the player to Klopp. So the morning after we recorded the normal Whistleblowers episode, I spoke to Anfield Raps Neil Atkinson to get a Liverpool view on the ever-changing headline around Philip Coutinho. The, at the weekend, the most ridiculous offer ever was made in the third bid from Barcelona, quickly followed yeah. three or four days later by the wonderful article in The Independent explaining that there was a, can we have peace talks now because I want, I want to stay at Liverpool. Was there any, any, ever any doubt in your mind that Coutinho was going to go? Um, a couple of times, yeah, I thought that there was a chance that he might find a way to successfully force it through. I thought he might find a way to alienate himself against the manager, which I think was a clear part of the strategy in terms of the briefings and things. And I think for a day or two, that might have actually been succeeding. But the Liverpool manager is quite a funny chap. Um, for all the talk of heavy metal football and for jumping around on, us on the sidelines, he's also simultaneously a thinker, and I think he's quite reserved too. So I think he's more than happy to sort of to, to act out, and he seemed like he was cross in his post-match win, in, in, interview after Watford. But I think he's quite good at putting his emotions in a box, perhaps even too good at times, and putting his emotions back in a box and getting back to a strategy or a plan. 
And so I think that what's happened there is Klopp's calmed himself down. He's had to think about things. And now we find ourselves in a position where I think it's going to be exceptionally difficult for Barcelona to buy him, if not impossible. There's rumours of further offers. But Liverpool are just going to knock them back straight away. And if I can talk a little bit more, Stu, I think the other thing I've worth pointing out here as well is the position of those who own the football club of Family Sports Group, that they have been since minute one saying this will not happen. This will absolutely not happen. And there's a ton of reasons why that might be the case. And people talk about their own sort of sense of self-preservation slash PR. And I think that's undoubtedly in there. But I think there's also a sporting thing here as well, which is they've seen how hard it is for Liverpool to buy people this mm. window. They've literally lived that experience. And so what they're thinking to themselves is, well, we're better off with the player. They've done this before. They did it with Suarez. They've concluded we're better off with the player. We're better off managing that situation. And I think it's too easy to presume that's just a PR thing or, or a smoothing over. I think that will undoubtedly be part of it. But I do think there's a sporting thing as well where they think, well, they want to give Liverpool the best chance of success, the best chance of finishing in the top for next season. Why, why do you feel that, that FSG, are, are, it almost feels like, and I'm guessing it's, it's scars from the Hicks and Gillette treatment of the club, is that FSG feel like they're constantly on trial in terms of Liverpool? It's because they're constantly on trial. It's not, it's, it's, that's why. Uh, and it must frustrate them. But then they, they, they undermine their own case by, for instance, trying to set ticket prices at 77 quid in some areas <laughs> of the ground. And in fact, doing more than that. So this is, this is the ongoing process. But yeah, it's because they're constantly on trial. And it is because of Hicks and Gillette. Hicks and Gillette has woken a lot of Liverpool supporters up to the idea of being vigilant. And it might be that now there's some people who are ultra-vigilant, too vigilant, but they would say they're not being too vigilant. They would say they're taking care of the interests of the club. And as I say, when you, when you make the, the grand PR failing of trying to, trying to create 25 different tiers of pricing across the stadia where number one is at £77, all the way down to £9 tickets, by the way, which still you can still get it out there. You can still get a £9 ticket. What you do, though, is you justify that feeling of ultra-vigilance. And then there's another strand of football supporter uh, who is obsessed with recruitment, rightly or wrongly, and can point at a series of errors uh, under FSG's watch around recruitment. And I would say that those supporters don't point to the successes often enough, mm. but that there is being a series of issues around recruitment where Liverpool's recruitment hasn't been up to the standard that it should be or ought to be. Um, and so I think that that becomes a problem as well. And that there's clear issues around the inner work into the club. And, and what I mean by that is it does seem at times as though there's, there's the Boston Liverpool arm and then there's the Chapel Street Liverpool arm to refer to it mm. where it is in, in Liverpool. And then there's also that Liverpool have got a London office. And basically, I don't think there's enough boots on the ground. In My, my, my major criticism would be I don't think there's enough boots on the ground in Liverpool from those who are making core decisions about the football club. So the owner, John Henry, there's now a new CEO in, but his role doesn't seem to impact upon transfers, which when you're talking about selling a player for £130 you'd like to think the chief executive of the company would have some say in that, but he goes out of his way to suggest that's not the case. Um, There is the idea that Billy Hogan, who runs the the, the commercial arm these days, is is, is London-obsessed. He doesn't, you know, he barely sets foot in the city. Um, and I think that there's lots of little things they could do a bit better to smooth that over. And as, as I say, I think part of it would be, I don't think it'd be any bad thing for John Henry to essentially walk around Liverpool for two weeks and just chat to people. Because I think lots of, lots of where Henry's come out really, really well is when he's shown a level of gnarliness, which is really rather scouts, to be honest with you. And I think that's being demonstrated here on the Coutinho thing. But I wonder if at times he's advised by, by, by people not to be that sort of guy, not to be that sort of person, to instead mm. 
you know, look to play the game a little bit more. Whereas, you know, anyone knows anything about this city knows that we're prepared to, you know, we're prepared to, to cock a snoop, to snoop is it? I can't even think what the phrase is. We're prepared to look askew at any situation and, and very much do our own thing. At least we tell ourselves that lie if it is indeed a lie. And so I think that, you know, if Henry did want to be that sort of guy, if he did want to sort of, you know, the thing about what are they smoking at Arsenal and all of this sort of stuff, shutting down the Coutinho thing, I think he'd find loads and loads of support in Liverpool. But then what you can't do is you can't then write, you know, have, have stuff on the website of, unbelievably groveling apologies towards Southampton over the Virgil van Dijk thing. So all of this, all the time, one of the things with FSG, I think is that, you know, it's, you're always going, well, they've done some things all right and they've done some things less well. And what that means is rather than just sort of being quietly six out of ten, the loudly six out of ten, and what that means as a knock-on effect is that if you want to think the three out of ten, there's loads of things that you can talk up and then ignore the other stuff. And if you want to think that they're actually you know, they're being better than 6 out of 10. If they're 8 out of 10, there's loads of things that you can accentuate. And then you can say, oh, yeah, the ticketing thing, that was just a bit of a mistake. So they become an average 6 out of 10 rather than a constant 6 out of 10. Is that, does that make sense to you, Stu? Makes absolute sense to me. And, what, and, and just thinking about where, where you started that, that, that thought, it, it, there's, there's, a, there's a weird irony to a transfer market going out of control where players are 200 million and offers of 100-plus million for players become a problem for buying players and recruitment. So therefore, the idea of keeping a player is actually the best thing for a club now. I mean, we've seen it at teams, you know, that you would consider smaller than Liverpool doing exactly the same strategy now, haven't you? Yeah, undoubtedly. And, and I think that, the, the, listen, there's different strategies for that. You know, different teams do need to make different decisions. And what I would say is I don't think there are that many comparables between, say, the Virgil van Dijk thing or the Philip Coutinho thing. Because one of the issues with that is the length of time. I think, genuinely think, that if Barcelona had come in for Coutinho on the 1st of June, Coutinho had gone to the club on the 2nd of June and said, I really want to go, can we, can we pull this together? Then I think, I'm not saying it would definitely have happened, but I think it would have had a far greater chance of happening. This yeah, isn't part of the problem. That was, everyone's trying to plan yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's the undermining of Liverpool's 2017-18 season that's the problem here, not whether or not he should or shouldn't go to Barcelona, isn't it? Exactly, exactly that. And I think that that's where the you know that's where the difference changes with the Van Dijk thing, in that you know it's quite clear that Liverpool are prepared to pay a significant sum of money for the footballer, and that they can therefore. Uh, move move the situation along quite nicely and they should feel as though that's one of the things that happens in football everyone sells players literally Barcelona have just had Neymar taken from under the nose it's three seasons since Di Maria went to Man United from Real Madrid for 60 million quid everybody sells players and you can say at times well you know you, th- th- there is a bit of a food chain but no one is sort of no one is immune from the effect of this even P- Paris Saint-Germain since buying Neymar Listen, I reckon if you'd have asked them, they'd much rather keep them tweety, but they've now got to make a wage bill feel like a sane thing and all that sort of stuff. Everyone has to do things that they're reluctant to do in football. It's part of the game. But it's the timing, and the timing makes a difference. And as I say, I'm perfectly, I'm perfectly relaxed with the, insofar as it ever matters, and it doesn't, the morality of Liverpool's business uh, across the course of the summer. I think that they've offered really fair sums for footballers. And if clubs just don't want to take them, then you've got to shrug your shoulders and move on. You know, Liverpool in Kaita, they've offered 70 million quid for a lad who's never scored 10 league goals in a season. Well, uh, or or, 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 certainly who didn't last season in the Bundesliga. I don't know what he did when he was in Austria. You know, that's that's a ridiculously generous offer. And if that club just doesn't want to take that offer, then I don't know what you meant. You know, you haven't really got a next move. Van Dijk, 60 million quid for a centre-half. He looks like a really good player, but it's a a generous offer. Um, and, And also... 
It's been clear since the start of the summer and Liverpool will have had some encouragement from somebody at those clubs to make these sorts of moves. So I think at this stage, I think everyone's just, you know, I think you've just got to sort of say, listen, people are going to act in a way which is rational to them. And then we go from there. But all of that said, I still expect Virgil van Dijk to kick a football in a Liverpool shirt this season. Well, thank you very much for uh, that closing thought. Cheers, Neil. No problem at all. Thank you for having me on. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at thewhistleblowers.net. Give software vendor audits the red card by signing up the Livingstone Managed Service Team right away. Call 0203 817 4880 or visit livingstone-tech.com to find out how. The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Labbrooks. Sports Social Podcast Network.